Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and joining us today is Brett Freeman. Brett is a coach for strength and physique athletes with ATP Performance. He himself is a professional natural bodybuilder and two-time WMBF world champion. I'm so excited to have you on, Brett. Thanks so much for joining us. No, man. Thanks for having me, Kenny. Looking forward to this chat. Absolutely. So to kick it off, why don't we start with an update? You know, you got the fans where they want to know what you've been up to, the lockdown, training. Maybe you can share that. Oh, man. Yeah. So let me try to rewind. There's been a lot that's happened within the past. It's almost been two years since I last stepped off stage at WMBF Worlds. So backtracking, uh, 2019 was my last competitive season. Um, Post-show following into that, I had planned on taking about a year and a half off prior to stepping back on stage, but then the pandemic happened. So post-show, as everybody knows, is one of the most crucial parts of the dieting phase, the recovery phase. Um, So three months afterwards, after Worlds, um, I was able to make a decent amount of progress, you know, reestablish hormones and everything. And then COVID hit. And so I did not have any gym equipment aside from two adjustable 30 pound dumbbells and like everybody (laughs) i had to do dumbbell split squats (laughs) for legs so about a month into the lockdown training i decided it you know it just wasn't worth it so i didn't train for two to three months um and anybody knows when they were you know trying to lock down equipment online that was hard as hell so my wife and I, we ended up finding some decent equipment that I ended up purchasing at the end of June. So I took around three months in total off of training completely. And this was June 2020. And then from there until now, training has been much more consistent. Um, I had a little bit of atrophy occur uh, during those three months off, especially, you know, post-show. Sure. But since, since then, though, training has been really, really good. Um, I ended up handing the training programming keys off to Eric Helms. So Helms has been doing my programming since around January, February of 2021. So that makes about half a year. Um, And originally I had planned on competing in powerlifting again. I haven't competed since 2012, uh, where I competed in the 165 class. Um, So that was the goal this year. Uh, We had a few things happen that kind of... uh, sent us off track. And so the past two training blocks as of late have just been hypertrophy based um, with less focus on the big three compounds. I saw that um, on the, on the, on the Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it wasn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it was the barbell squad or the barbell deadlift that were the issue. It was just overuse. I mean, it happens over time. Of course. Um, but no, training has been great. Um, it, it's been especially humbling, you know, working in the, you know, 10 plus rep range as opposed to, you know, more power and strength specific rep range work. But it's fun. It's fun, though. What was the, um, so was it mostly due to the overuse, uh, some overuse type, you know, aches and tweet twinges? That, is that more so the reason why you wanted to switch over to uh, the higher rep range type work, maybe more machine-based type stuff? At least the little glimpse I got from uh, your IG, uh, the last few posts that you put up, uh, you, I think even... Uh, 
there's a few people like, hey, Jeff without a barbell. They were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, I think a big factor into it, which is kind of my fault, is I didn't really measure the level down in my basement. And the flooring is a little bit off. So my right side had been flaring up and acting up only on squats and deadlifts. And I'm thinking that maybe two to three plus months of just, you know, training that way maybe caused it to happen. I don't know. I'm not a, you know, uh, PT or anything. Um, But that was one of the main reasons why we did start implementing more machine and cable-based work. That and just taking, um, taking advantage of the novelty of the new exercises because I hadn't been in a commercial gym-based setting for, I think it was a year and a half. Makes sense. Makes sense. By the way, I just realized I said Jeff without a barbell because I had Jeff Alberts on a few episodes back. So oh, apologies. <laughs> Brett without a barbell. Brett without a barbell. Just in case the listeners caught that, right? Um, okay. So yeah, that uh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And and you've been you've been enjoying it for the most part though with the the machine base, like the novelty. I guess is it's been fun. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, and it, that's not to say I wasn't like against machine based stuff. I've just always been a. I guess I'm biased. I've always just been a huge fan of the basics my upbringing, I guess, and just, you know, being inspired by Ronnie, Dorian, yeah. all of them. Of but no, machines have a very important role, in my opinion, towards a well-built program. Absolutely. And it's fun when, especially when we didn't have access to them during the lockdown, if you were one of those people who don't, doesn't have, you know, a full-blown gym in their home, which I don't, you know, judging by what you're saying, you don't. And what I've seen, you have, now you have a pretty pretty sweet setup though so if anything ever happens again you'll be pretty pretty good right yeah oh yeah i mean there's enough that i could i could probably run a prep on it but it just wouldn't be ideal sure so you mentioned uh inspire you know ronnie and dorian some of your uh the people that kind of inspire you as far as training what about from the natural bodybuilding realm that would be kind of cool to see what 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 is because i know you've talked about and maybe i'm just gonna say it now because but you'll tell me, you know, Brian Whitaker, I even heard a podcast you're talking about Marshall Johnson. You were even on stage with him, um, but maybe you can, you can elaborate on that. Oh man. I would like to, I might break it down by generations. Actually, this yeah, is something I, I, something I've been wanting to do for a while too. So, um, as a teenager, I used to take the bus down to worlds. So this was like 2008, 2009, 2010. And I would get to see Brian Whitaker on stage, Jim Cordova, Sean Clarita, who was a very, very, very impressive WMBF Bantamweight. That was a huge inspiration for me growing up too. Um, Wendell Webb, uh, Josh Hyaduck, who was another very, he was supposed to be the protege of Jim Cordova. Yeah. Uh, Clement, Clement Yearwood, another phenomenal competitor. Um, Brandon Greenwood was very good. Uh, Siobhan Cunningham, incredible. And then there was um, Rodney Hilaire, uh, Clarence McGill, another crazy athlete. And then my, my biggest inspiration, and you probably already know who this is, it's, it's Brian Whitaker, but it's, it's actually Alberto Nunez. That's, he's the one that got me into all of this. It's so that's, Flex, no? that's Father Flex. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's yeah. Awesome. Berto, Berto is, he's still in my opinion, like he's, what I want to look like, you know, when I get older, I know it's true saying that now, but, um, that would be like the 20 early two thousands, 2010 generation. Um, 
but now he had an impact on your on your um upbringing in terms of bodybuilding is that is that correct is that fair to say yes 100 correct yeah if it wasn't for birdo i would not be here he right. first person to handle my prep first ever prep and it was history since then but um bromance i get bromance yeah um but i guess like in nowadays generation there's just so many high caliber level of athletes i mean you have aj morris you have uh steve hall you have chris mccready from the uk um gosh uh brandon kemper another incredible athlete uh, you have nino grande who was the second place runner-up at worlds right. to me phenomenal you have dirk who is going to be one of the most impressive bantams to ever hit the stage this upcoming year. He's currently being prepped by Birdo. He's a Bantam. Um, wow. When I saw his picks, I'm like, yeah, like, he's, he's, he's yeah. thought he was a lightweight at, at, at he, least a lightweight, but that's interesting. Yeah. He looks it. Um, I think he's like five, four, five, five, 145, oh, okay. 148. How tall First, are you, Brett? Uh, five, six and a half, five, seven. Okay. Depending on the heels. No, nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, but there's, yeah, that's who I would say. For at least this crop of the generation. Oh, Leroy Rollins, too. Uh, another incredible Bantam lightweight. Sure. Just unreal. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I've seen some of his stuff. He's also pumping out. Is he's the he's the one operating Natty News Daily, is it? Yes, yes. Yeah. Shout out. No, for real. They, they're doing an incredible job, too, just spreading everything related to natural bodybuilding. That's uh, Leroy, Dan, and uh, James Johnson, uh, the founder of ATP Performance. Right. Shout, out to, shout out to James. Right on, right on. You were a pioneer with, uh, was it Natty Radio? Natty Talk Radio? Yes, Natty Talk. Yep, yep. You bringing that back or what? They're waiting um, for you, man. <laughs> we, so um, the owner of that, uh, Zachary, he, uh, we ended up, split, I mean, we didn't split ways, but just time happens i mean he went back to school um but i do have something in the works that's actually happening this saturday which is going to be a podcast it's going to be very very reminiscent of natty talk and it's going to be with another wmbf pro cool so looking forward to that <laughs> breaking news folks you heard it i here know first. i know <laughs> well the thing is i think it might act yours is going to depending on when you release yours this might come out after, depending on when I release this. So, nonetheless, mm -hmm. nonetheless. Yeah, we're going to do that's a few awesome. episodes and kind of work the kinks out and everything. Of course, that's that's exactly what we're doing here. So, uh, awesome. So, let's segue. Let's segue into... Mm, there's, a, there's a few things I wanted to touch on, but let's start with sustainability. That's huge. Because you, if I remember correctly, took quite a big time or chunk of time where you weren't training at all right yes correct and it would be kind of you know great for the listeners because now you're back you're consistent again if you know based upon what i've seen and what we've spoken about and what you've told me why the late why the layoff essentially and what i guess contributed to that or influenced that and how are things different now to allow you to be able to be know consistent more long term and maybe not have to go through something like that well hopefully right mm -hmm. regardless of potential circumstances but maybe you can elaborate on that yeah um so i guess i'll backtrack to 2013 so 2013 
2013 to 2016 were the biggest chunk of years where I just completely took off a training. And the main, the main reason behind that was I, I had burnt myself out from, uh, 2009 to 2012, just living, eating, sleeping, and just being too hyper-focused, you know, on training, nutrition, et cetera. And it just got to the point where the bodybuilding lifestyle just consumed me way too much. Um, and it, it completely showed in my, cause I had originally planned to prep in 2013 and I was, um, under the eyes of Matt Jansen. And so that was one of the first preps I never finished mainly due to going to school, a uh, new girlfriend who I'm currently married to, um, working two jobs and it was just too much. So the next three years I ended up taking completely off of training, uh, financial along with personal issues as well. And I came out a much better person, um, a different perspective. And that was the main driver of my 2017 prep. When I returned, um, I wanted to prove that you, you know, you could do this in a more flexible manner as opposed to, you know, you know, you know, sacrifice to win type mentality. Yeah. Bleed. Yeah. yeah bleed. bleed. Blood and and so, <laughs> I'm just kidding. so, no, no, you're hundred percent right, man. And so the 2017 prep, that was my main, that was kind of like the main theme. It was, it was a younger Jeff Alberts approach or take, taking the, you know, the, the wisdom that I had received from Jeff, but applied, you know, in a 27 year old. Um, but then after that, um, after I had won 2017 worlds, um, I took another six months off. That was mainly due to personal reasons as well. Plus work was very manual labor intensive. Um, and then 2018, again, another three to four months off leading up to my 2019 prep. But since then, Aside from the pandemic, there hasn't been uh, as much of a layoff. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you think there were some training-related factors in, involved in that or nutrition-related factors that might have been involved in that as well? I know you said that you, you were just burnt out. Was that mostly from contest prep and just you know being consumed mentally with bodybuilding more so than anything? Or was there, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, training-related influences maybe – nutrition related influences that were involved there? Uh, I would say, yeah. Um, even back then I still followed the flexible dieting approach. Um, okay. so even like during my layoff, I still somewhat ate relatively, I guess, like a bodybuilder. I mean, I had in my mind how much protein I was consuming and whatnot, but in terms of nutrient timing, food sources, they weren't that great. Um, and then even training. I mean, training wasn't a hundred percent laid off. There, there may have been some weeks where I would have gotten in there maybe once in the gym, but the main focus was just working on, you know, um, um, going back to school. Um, sure, making sure that relationship between my my wife, my now wife, and my stepson was a hundred percent, and I was a hundred percent mentally and physically there. Gotcha for them. Gotcha. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's so important because nowadays you see, or at least I've almost fallen into the trap as well. Uh, I was telling when when I was talking with Jeff, because you brought him up as well, Jeff Alberts about this, where you can go down this slippery slope that's hard to climb out of. And that could lead to kind of what you went through where you're taking well, multiple years off, right? Yeah. 
And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate, but there's a lesson to be learned, which is great. It's, it seems like that's, that's the important thing. It's not like we're, we're trying to make the same mistakes over and over again. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, where you know, you're, you're full blown, you have this goal, this thing you set and you just sacrifice everything, family, relationships, you know, jobs, all of it for this thing where when you zoom out, you realize, wow, that was pretty silly of me. hundred <laughs> percent. And it's even, it's even, it's, it sucks seeing that still happen, like with people that are in prep. And that's why I take, it's why I take such a, just a sustainable approach is like that your family doesn't care if you're dieting, your kids don't care if you're dieting, people at work don't give a shit if you're dieting. Um, And it's up to you, you know, to embrace that and to understand and accept it. Like you're the one putting yourself through this and those around you should not be affected. 100%. I think that's why I've also had a, I mean, I've, I've been talking about <laughs> competing from like when I was first working with Eric Helms, which was back in 2014, 13, between 2012 and 2014. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this contest. But I was so young. I was like 21 at the 20, well, between the two years, 19 and 21. And um, I just didn't do it. And, and I'm kind of glad because the amount that I've accumulated in terms of well, what we, what we just talked about is so important yeah. to prevent maybe something like that from potentially happening. So I, that's, that's, that's good. And that's why I, again, I wanted to speak with you about this because you kind of are like, in terms of the Jeff Alberts, our generation, you're preaching that a lot and not too many, not too many guys, at least at, around our age are doing that. Cause you're in early thirties, correct? Yeah. Or late twenties? Early thirties. Yeah. I had to <laughs> think about that one. 31, 31. <laughs> 31. Yeah. So yeah, I think yeah, you have, yeah. So exactly. Right. And there's not too many guys preaching that at that age. So that you know, shout out kudos to you, man. For thank real. you. Thank you. Absolutely. If we could save some people, I mean, <laughs> Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, cool, man. Cool. So let's talk about or segue into this trend, or at least I don't know if we could call it a trend more than, well, maybe we can with regards to the evidence-based community. And how people just getting into it are really latching on to like research and this many sets and that and being very, very like specific without um, maybe realizing that these are guidelines more than set approaches and how that could be complicating, especially newer lifters. Even some of the guys who've been doing it for a while kind of get sucked into a wormhole like that. I mean, I, I, I have a little bit where, and then you realize, well, why am I not just doing what, what feels best based upon what I've been doing that is Mm -hmm. also within the guidelines of this thing. When you kind of zoom out and look at the, at what's being said in terms of volume or frequency or all that stuff. So do you find that that can tend to complicate it just as much as when on the other end of the extreme with the bro quote unquote, the bros, bro science where you have to eat every three hours. These select foods are the best for whatever goal you're doing, fat loss or muscle gain. Do you feel like both ends of the extreme are just complicating the whole thing and there, maybe there's a somewhere in between there? <laughs> I think they do at times. And I think as well, they almost intertwine and like mesh at some, at some mm. or overlap, I, I found. Because you have, you know, the bro science, on the other hand, two to three hours. And then you have the evidence-based who are preaching nutrient timing to the specific, you know, minute. Whereas it doesn't really matter. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, as you know, compliance you know is a science like anything will work as long as effort is applied and you know technique is somewhat decent for that person sure um 
but I do think for for newer people that are coming in, you know, to the industry, I do think there's a ton of misinformation, but I also think even the evidence base can be overwhelming and overcomplicated at first because they think that there's only one way to train and it's this way. And if you don't do it that way, you know, it's the bro science way or you're, you're doing it uh, suboptimally. Whereas optim- what is optimal? It's, it's forever moving. I mean, especially for some, for a novice athlete, you know, going to intermediate and then too advanced. And then often I found, uh, I found a lot of evidence, people that swear by evidence-based often spin their wheels a little bit too much Mm. because they take a little bit more of a cautionary approach to training without, you know, actually getting their hands dirty and, you know, knowing what intense training is. But that's not to say, you know, because on the opposite end, you have the pro science people that, um, I want to say necessarily overcomplicate, but I think they oversimplify. Sure. And you just have to outwork every single day that you come into the gym. And eh, that's, that's a, I guess, a good mindset to have. But what happens afterwards when it stops working? Right. Or you start getting hurt or something along those lines. Because I'm just going to chime in here because you brought up something great, not to, oh, no, to no. disrupt the flow you had. But where when I first started out, I didn't know. I mean, I, I got lucky in a way because I came across, you know, Lane Norton and, 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 you know, 3D Muscle Journey. So I did have some like pretty wicked structure. But at the same time, if I, because I was so young, I didn't know really why some of those principles worked well. And mm-hmm. I was just putting in effort. And then I kind of got sucked into like a really high level of intensity, like high intensity training type approach. Yeah. And... <laughs> Funny enough, I kind of, because of the way I was doing it, I kind of lost some of my gains. And then, you know, I had to kind of got, okay, this is not working for me, but it took a while to realize it. Right. So it's just, uh-huh, I, uh-huh. I just wanted to mention that because it's, it's interesting that you brought that up. So. Yeah. I feel like, uh, I feel like a lot of people could relate to that too, which mm. I mean, even I, I was just having that talk earlier. Um, like my comparing my first preps training to like 2019s was crazy different like in 2009 i trained like an ifbb pro <laughs> mm. which wasn't you know the greatest approach to training and then even in 2011 i was running uh shiko which is a mm. high frequency powerlifting program yes in the depths of prep <laughs> so it's I, I feel like as an athlete like your training approach should somewhat advance over time or at least um evolve Evolve, yeah, evolve. My bad. Uh, evolve over time and, and kind of fit your makeup, and you know, it should fall within the guidelines. But then also like tick those box six boxes for yourself psychologically. It takes quite a bit of skill, like not just not education or knowledge, but it's a bit. It's a bit of a skill factor, right? Because I'm still, I especially when I, I again, I'm gonna mention Jeff with Jeff Alberts. It's like mm-hmm. I look at his training and it's so you can look at it and it's like, wow, that's really simplified in a way. Yep. But it probably, it took that guy a lifetime or however, you know, he's been doing this for 35 yeah. years to break it down to that. Like, Hey, this is where I'm at now. Like it's, it's constantly changing and people think this is a split because, you know, insert favorite bodybuilder. This is the yep. approach insert, you know, whatever it is. Right. So mm-hmm. that's no, and huge, you, man. and I mean, I'm the same as Jeff actually. So, I haven't, I don't think I've posted my training split yet, but the amount of workload that I'm doing 
compared to when I was programming for myself with Eric, it's very similar to Jeff's. It's, it's very simple. There's nothing special about it. Maybe four to five movements per session. Mm. Volumes, you know, 10 to 15 cents per muscle group. And it's, it's working compared to, you know, years previous where I'd be, you know, training high frequency, you know, sure. 20 to 30 sets. But with, with this, cause you brought it up the Shaiko, if I'm saying that right, I think the first time I got exposed to that, uh, I think it was Josh Hyduck. He was, he was someone that was doing that during, uh, at one point or another. Cause I remember watching his videos on, on YouTube cause he had collaborated with like Lane. I don't know. You, maybe you've seen them with like Lane Norton and yeah. Olivia, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, wow, if I tried that, I think I would die. Like that, that's the thought. I remember having that thought because I was just, I was literally doing the five day kind of uh, Frankenstein, as you would call it, the split where you're doing the upper, lower push pull legs. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. that what you call it? I think you've mentioned that to me before. That's why I'm. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Frankenstein version. Yeah. And even that was like a lot for me. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, you have to almost have this tolerance of a, whether it's mental or um, like, I mean, a psychological tolerance because there's physical tolerance and there's also the psychological tolerance to be able to handle that much right maybe you could break down what was what 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 was involved with that shiko approach and what happened exactly oh man so shiko shiko it was it was originally it was a powerlifting um program that kind of hit the internet and it was written by one of the greatest powerlifting weightlifting coaches uh, from russia which is boris shiko and he was always known for his high frequency submax training and they were divided into different categories so there was um a Shiko 28, a Shiko 29, 32, 37. And then there was a, I believe it was a CMS prep, which was a more aggressive um, percentage-based program, which was very similar to Smolov back in the day, such that it would like kill you if you ran it back to back. Um, <laughs> maybe I got it wrong. By the way, don't quote me because I, I don't know if it was Smolov or Shiko. Maybe I'm confusing the two with what I had mentioned before. So, but good. Now you're explaining. So keep going. Okay. Yeah, no, it was, I mean, it's, it was more or less like a daily undulated uh, program throughout the week. And you would lead up, um, it would be a four week block mesocycle and it would lead up to a peaking week for the squat bench and deadlift. Um, and then each specific one. So the 28, 29, they were, um, specifically for different advancements of a lifter. So if you have somebody that was like a level two or a level three, they would use um, the more advanced CMS prep or the 37, uh, so on and so forth. But then Smolov was the higher frequency SWAT program, which I also ran as well <laughs> in my earlier years. Would not recommend nowadays. <laughs> did you? Uh, what did you notice when you say you would not recommend? Was it more so just the amount of total work that you had to do? It, yeah, it was. You were squatting four days a week. Um, again, undulated. So you would Monday would be four sets of nine. Second session would be um, four sets of seven, and then it would be seven sets of four, and then ten sets of three. And then every week, load would be ramped up, uh, leading up to another uh, peak for your squat. Gotcha. Just the percentage the percentage of one RM and the amount of workload was way too much. <laughs> and I guess that's where these principles can come in with the. Uh... Well, what we've been exposed to as far as this idea of structuring, periodization, all that stuff where you can, well, auto-regulate, but also alter volume 
month to month or even week to week or even session to session based upon how you're feeling yes. versus, hey, this small law program or Shiko or whatever it is, whoever created it, this is the amount, this is the set, and that's it. And if you don't follow it, you are a loser. And that and that's how it was, you know, kind of felt. That's how it was advertised. There was no auto regulation built in. Thank you, Mike Tushareer, for actually, you know, bringing auto regulation to the forefront. But mm. Mm. yeah, okay. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So let's segue. Any, uh, I don't know if you'd mentioned this uh, to me in a previous conversation we've had over whether it be Instagram or whatnot. But are you? Do you any upcoming contest? People want to know, um, man. Yeah. So, um, everything, everything this past year has been like based off my wife and, uh, how she is currently doing, but she had, she did give me the thumbs up this year, this year to compete. Uh, I held off for obvious reasons. Um, of course, course. but I've also been given, you know, we we've talked and it's looking like 2022 might be when I do step back on stage. So depending how these next six months go with Eric, um, and then also like physique related, uh, depending how I do look, um, I might pull the trigger. Nice. Um, I, I, I do foresee like a cleanup phase though incoming within the next two to three months just to see what's underneath. Um, I am currently sitting though at like my best body comp at this body weight. So that's a huge plus and confidence booster. What body weight are you sitting at? If you don't mind. Uh, 180, 182. Nice. Wow. And, and you're 5'7", you said? Yeah. Yeah. On a good day. <laughs> I got work to do, man. You're making me look bad over here. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just bringing the arms up and the upper body up still. Just slowly Absolutely. chip it away. 100%. 100%. That's awesome, man. Would it be uh, strictly WMBF as always? Uh, that's another thing, too. I've been debating because I've, I have competed in the OCB before. And... They have some of the best brand shows. If if the you know the higher ups allow it, I would love to. I would love sure. to do the Yorton, like Brian Whitaker did. Um, the last time I stepped on the Yorton Cup World Stage, I didn't place, so that would be something nice to you know check off as well on the bucket list. But no, I'm I would be open to either IPE or OCB Pro shows, but I I don't know if they would accept the WMBF Pro card. I'm not sure if they do that anymore. Oh, that's unfortunate. Why? <clears throat> why do you think that? Is it mostly just politics? I guess that uh, why they yeah it? yeah it's politics mainly. It's kind of unfortunate because you have such great competitors, even from like the PNBA. Like uh, you have like a, you know obviously Philip Ricardo Jr. And I know he's kind of he, I forgot Philip. Ah, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I, I knew he was in that list. I know you didn't say it, but I knew it. You were. You were it's there. I know. I know that. Uh, but yeah, so it would be kind of cool if they all came together and just whew, competed to, against one another. No, they had to do a Super Bowl. I've been thinking of that for like the longest time, or like, uh, mm. like a, a bracket championship or something, where you take you know the best from each, you pit them against each other, maybe on a one or two day you know event to see who's the best. But I don't know if they would be able to come to terms with you know an agreement. That would be incredible. but you just let the best athletes go against the best athletes, like. Everybody wants to see it. For sure. For sure. And I feel like a lot of them are in the WNBF, at least now. I don't know how it was 10 years ago, but it seems like the WNBF has really progressed in terms of who's showing up, like from the UK, obviously from the States. That would, maybe you could tell me though. I'm just, right now I'm just a spectator. I haven't stepped on any stage. So you let me know if that's accurate. 
No, it is. And I think the UK is doing it right. Um, instead of like watering down, you know, the, the pro level uh, circuit, um, they have qualifiers. So I, I believe it's only two pros out of the U. There's only two pro cards received out of the UK, which just makes the level of competition that much greater. And it actually, if I'm not 100% sure, but that is kind of how it used to be in the WMBF in the earlier years. Um, pro cards weren't just, you know, handed out and gifted. You had to actually work for them, which in turn would bring about more um, tough competition. So nowadays they're just handing them out. Is that what you're saying? Like in uh, terms not, of it's easier? Not, I know what you mean. Sorry. I mean, they're just kind of, it's easier to get. Yes. I, I, I would say like nowadays in the, in the U.S., I think it's easier to obtain a pro card. Gotcha. So they're not doing it like how they're doing it in the U.K. at all. Correct. Correct. Too bad it's not standardized. Should be. Maybe it's something you know the U.S. could possibly look at, but then again, revenue. I, I kind of see why they are doing it. Pro shows have. I mean, pros have to pay more to enter pro shows, so in turn, you know that increases money in pockets. Sure. Did you have any aspirations to? It's funny because like it's a title at the end of the day, but it's kind of cool. Like you're working hard for that. Like you're. Two-time champ, man. You're the, you're yeah. the bantamweight <laughs> champ, right? Are you going after the overall? Is that the next goal? Oh man, um, that is long, long, long term. One of my goals. I don't know if it's realistic because I am the bantamweight. If I can possibly move into the lightweight class, maybe. Um, I do have my eyes set on a certain amount of this is the first time I've saying this on a podcast. Um, I do have my eyes set on a certain amount of world, t- world titles though, to match somebody else, Ooh. which is Brian Whitaker. Sure. That's so that's, figured. yeah, that's one of my long-term goals within the WMBF. That's fun, man. That's a lot of fun. What goes into, or actually before I ask that, because this is before I forget the thing I wanted to say, which was as far as, bantamweight what is the cutoff and like what where do you see yourself this is more of a mess where do you see yourself potentially being in terms of contest weight huh. down the road like what do you think you can come in shredded lean at what what weight do you think that could be so i think given because i have a very small bone structure um i think realistically i think i could maybe uh, 150 to 150 five maybe but even then that would be a significant amount of just lean tissue added to my frame but you know taking into account all the years i did take off and the amount of lagging body parts that i do have i think that is realistic you know within another decade uh, sure potentially um i'm, I'm never going to be like a moji alua or um uh, cleveland thomas who's my height and they compete, you know, anywhere from 155 to 165. That's, mm. I don't think that's in the cards for myself. Um, but I think like anywhere from like 150 to 155. And then hopefully looking like a lightweight middleweight, ideally. And you're, you do compete in the 140s right now. Is that correct? Yes. So mid 140s or low? So um, my lowest weigh in in 2019 was like 143. So like 144, 145 is when I stepped on stage, fully uh, backloaded, carved up. And that's, that's kind of been like my stage weight for my entire career thus far. That's so interesting because you've, 
I'm going to assume you're putting on muscle from, you know, season to season. So the fact that you're coming in, so you're definitely just coming in more lean each time. Yes. Yes. And, uh, Brian Whitaker's a great example of that. I mean, his contest, um, stage weight hasn't changed in the past decade, but visually he's gotten, you know, more muscular and also leaner as well. So it's very interesting. Nice little personal case study. That's yeah, cool. It's cool. Cause then you could realize, Hey, I could just come in bigger and leaner. But again, there's a, there is a cap at what point you end up just coming in a little heavier because you're getting the same amount of leanness and you just have more muscle on you, which is the dream, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. For, for, for what, for what you're trying to do. So yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So this is a fun one. I'm just going to sneak in because I know you're a music guy. I'm a music guy. I want to know right now. And for those listening, maybe you are also a music person. If not, it's okay. You'll enjoy this. Hopefully top five. I knew it was coming. Top five. I need to know right now what your top five is. Um, that are alive. Doesn't matter. Top five rappers. Oh my God. And and here's the thing. Don't go with, you know, who's the best on paper. Who do you listen to that you truly enjoy? That's part of your top five. Cause sometimes people are like trying to bring up, bring in the, the, the legends like that they think because they're on paper, they've been told they're the best. I want to know you, who do you listen to? Oh man. I had this talk at the dinner table a few weeks back <laughs> and I left somebody out too. Oh, okay. Um, all right. Top five, no particular order. I'm going to go with Rakim. Hmm. I'm going to go with Black Thought from The Roots. Very mm-hmm. underrated. I'm going to go with Andre 3000. Damn, this is where I start getting into trouble. I'm going to go with M. Have to go with M. I knew you were going to sneak that one in there. And Kendrick. I'm going to go with Kendrick. Mainly, mainly, I mean. You get a wild card. You can put a sixth one. Nas. Nas. Nas, yeah. That's a tough one, though. Your iPod is loaded. Your iPod is loaded with these guys. That's all I want to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think, I mean, I feel like Kendrick is one of those from the newer generation. I wouldn't even say newer generation. That is just, he slept on one because he hasn't released an album in four years. But this guy has three certified back-to-back back classics, which mm. kind of, in my opinion, I think, you, I think you need that longevity aspect to be considered a GOAT or at least top five. That's kind of why I don't, I mean, Tupac's GOAT status, obviously. Same with Biggie. But I feel like you can't have as many, you know, question marks throughout your career and i also don't think you can just drop one to two albums and be considered a goat yeah Hmm. longevity interesting right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i like i mean that's the issue issue with andre 3000 though is like he hasn't released a solo album but he never misses on any of the outcast albums he was you know very innovative and he big influence to a ton of artists that were coming up um and he just never misses like consistency for over 30 plus years what about you i'm curious 100 yeah okay okay i appreciate this <laughs> okay so what my what's my ipod loaded with that's where i'm going where that's where i'm going with this so for me what i'm listening to almost on a daily man that inspires me or gets me thinking about life or i can just appreciate jadakiss for sure good one 100 jadakiss and no particular order by the way no particular order DMX, especially his older albums, yep. just epic, man. Just his flow, 
just nobody sounds like that guy or how some people tried and it failed miserably now, his, as you his know del- his delivery too and uh, insane he can take yeah. amateur lyrics and make them sound incredible mm-hmm. that's just why vo- that's vocal why. inflection and everything he was uh that guy sounds like especially if you're like listening to he's gonna come out to your ipod and knock you out like that's how it sounds <laughs> no for real for real <laughs> right well, d- yeah beat you up um so we got so we got jada kiss dmx I'm definitely throwing M in there because again, I listen to him a lot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Longevity. We've spoken about this too. He's definitely uh, he's definitely in my top five. Uh, and then the last two. Now, now I got to pull up the iPod. Who, who, who's <laughs> who do I listen to that I haven't in a while? Um, that I enjoy thoroughly. I would have to say. I might even have to throw Styles P in there. Okay. Because they're a lethal combo, those two. Eh? Mm. Jadakiss and Styles P, they'll just, they are epic, especially when they're doing doing songs together. So I'll throw him in the mix. And then I'm going to have to go with, to finish it off. It is tough. Damn, I didn't it's, realize how, what a tough yeah, question man, it's, asking, It is man. hard. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't prepared because I'm interviewing you. So I'm like, okay, so hold on. I think... Especially got me thinking now with the longevity aspect because normally I would have Tupac in there because I listen to him a lot. So I'm gonna still have to throw him in there just because I have him loaded and I listen to mm-hmm, him. His mm-hmm. lyrics are phenomenal. So that's it. That's the that's that's the list. Yeah, man, it's a hard one. I think so. How I used to how I uh, so like with my stepson, what I'll do is I'll like do it in generations, kind of like with the bodybuilding mm. because it's so you have so many artists that kind of overlap, and it's like, well, let's go from like you know ninety five to 2000 like who were the goats of you know that era and then 2000 to 2005 because like the early 2000s had so many good artists i mean you had i mean you still have jay-z but you had kanye coming up you had jadakiss you had the locks you had uh the whole rough rider crew yes i mean those i just love that crew man that crew is epic to me no same and they're still pumping out quality music dude they're so underrated though when you see like they when are. you see today's rappers coming on the scene, I think it's because of the way marketing works now mm-hmm. and with in- Instagram and all that, where people might not, they're navigating towards obviously the new trends, the new, the new songs, if you will, of how, whatever you can call it, if rap or hip hop or, but it's not like how it was, right? So these guys aren't even getting that same exposure as today's. Not today's at all. Artists, not, right. Not at all. And it's kind of like just have their original fan base and that's. And yeah, they're kind of yeah. spreading the word if they can, but it's a totally different generation, right? No, it is. It's like t- the TikTok era is like the ringtone era that we had almost, which very similar. So it's interesting. My, bro- sure. my brother, my brother, he's 20 years old. He didn't even, I had to introduce him to, you know, DMX's music, Jada Kiss's music. And he's 20. It's like, what's well, crazy, right? But he's, no, a good on you, he's, he's 2000, right? So he just... He missed just missed the that. 90s boat. <laughs> he really did. Like, he was born when those albums were getting released. So Exactly. exactly. Uh, uh, we're That's old heads. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know, right? No, it's true. It's true. And we ain't even that old. You know, that would be a fun question for like, um, like even like Helms, because I know he's a hip hop guy. So I didn't get a chance. I didn't, I didn't ask him. I didn't get a chance. But I asked him. Fun. It was a few years back. I actually asked him his top 10 albums. And it was, it was very interesting. It was a good one. Oh, yeah? Uh-huh. uh-huh. I'm going to we'll have to talk about that one off, off camera. That's awesome, though. That's, that's awesome. So ah, I'm thinking. I feel like I, to segue back into the uh, into the 
bodybuilding. Um, let's see. Well, actually, man, maybe we just do, we leave that there and we, we, we set up for maybe a part two in the near future. What do I'm you say? That. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, because yeah, we keep it short, sweet to the point and end off with the bang with the music, you know? Mm-hmm. And maybe revise it when we come back. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. Mine doesn't get too much revision though, because I'm not although, really adding although, too much. Yeah, tell me, tell me. Maybe top five male and top five female. Ooh. That would be another one too. Bro, I didn't even think of the female side of things. Because there, there are, are some, some nasty female artists. And when I say nasty for those listening, I mean really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure Lauren, if you're it, it, yeah, yeah. Lauren Hill. <laughs> Lauren Hill. <laughs> Lauren Hill. Her latest Ooh. verse on her latest verse on Nas's uh, last album was unreal. Just mm. unreal. I'm gonna have to check, I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, King's Disease, really really good album. Do you have a top five female? Lay it out, lay it on me, man. Oh man, um, I would say I guess no particular order. You got Lauren Hill, uh, Jean Grey, MC Light. Uh, I'll say Salt and Pepper group is that one, and then it's a toss up between Low Kim. Would round out my top five and then she, she goes back bro she goes far back and she was she was good there's foxy brown too that i could toss in and then there's Nicki minaj who i think is i mean criminally underslept i mean underrated despite you know 100 she, she can spit though she can rap rap 100 100 what do you think of what's her name i listen to her all the time and it's slipping my mind now i was about to check uh part of rough riders crew um Hold on. Now, now I'm going to check. Now I'm going to check real quick. I believe it's... You, you'll, you'll know once I, once I uh, tell you here. Uh, why can't I find the name? I believe... Oh, e- wow. I left Eve. Eve. There it wow. is. Yo, thank you. That's, thank you. I couldn't even look it up because I didn't, I was wow. like, oh man, I'm wasting time on this. Uh, on the- That's funny enough. My wife's favorite female rapper and rapper in general. That's and same I'm with gonna my, get divorced yeah. now forgetting <laughs> my girl's favorite as well. She, like in terms of female rappers. So that's funny. Yeah. Even her, her vote, her delivery was just nasty as well. It was, it was, especially when that, I remember listening to that first Rough Riders album that they put out all together. I'm like, mm-hmm. Who is this? She sounds like she's good, man. No, for real, for real. I mean, she could still probably go toe to toe with most rappers nowadays, but I don't like who is there female rappers coming on the scene that I'm not hearing about? Like, new, I don't think so. Um, like, not, not that I'm hearing about that are like, wow, she's destroying it, you know? Like, you have obviously the newer male artists, you got Token. We kind of t- we kind of were touching on that in the past, right? so yeah, Token. There's uh, what's her name? Not uh. Because he was on sway, he was on sway, and he was laying it down. I'm like, wow, this guy is legit. A token is really, really good. I, I, I want to say he signed to um, Strange Records, but Tech Nine and them. There's okay. a, oh, what is her name? She's from Chicago. No name. No name is a really good artist. She's more of like a um, no name. Spoken, okay, no name. Yeah, she's like a spoken word, uh, slam poetry artist. Um, incredible lyricist though, that I recommend. I'm gonna have to um, check. I'm gonna have to check her out. Do, 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 do. Aside from that, though, um, it's a pretty good list, man. I, you had more than me. I just had Eve on there. 
and a little true. <laughs> so you were yeah, laying it down. So and 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 Latifah too. When she was when she was on the scene, she was doing she oh was yeah doing damage. Queen, La- Queen, Latifah. Queen Latifah was phenomenal too. <laughs> yeah, like she was doing some damage. So I'm gonna have to throw in there. I know she's not doing it now, but for the the old heads, as you would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, Brett, thank you so much for coming on. We'll uh, why don't we leave it there? So it doesn't turn into the music podcast. It sounds you know good. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> um, why don't you tell the listeners where they can learn more from you? I know you're doing some coaching, which is great. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. let them know and see so they can find more of your work. Yeah, so I'm. Uh, I can be found at atpperformancellc.com or at bathtub on Instagram or at ATP Performance on Instagram as well. Awesome. I'm going to link all that below. Thank you for those listening. Brett, thanks once again for coming on. And I'm going to catch you in the next one, part two. I'm going to have you back on for sure. Yeah, man. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Absolutely.